Hello. Hello. to Three Stooges Throwback, the comprehensive, encyclopedic compendium of all things Three Stooges. From woman haters to sappy bullfighters, from Curly to Shemp, and even to Joe. I am your host, Gabriel Russo, and I'm looking at all 190 shorts produced for Columbia Pictures by the Three Stooges comedy team. Hello and welcome back once again to the Three Stooges Throwback Podcast. I am still your host, Gabriel Russo, and we are still going over the 190 shorts produced for Columbia Pictures by the comedy team, The Three Stooges. This is episode 49. We're covering the the short From Nurse to Worse. First things first, I use Wikipedia, IMDb, and threestooges.net. I've incorporated takemeback.to and onthisday.com for historical bits, as well as obscureactress.wordpress.com from time to time. Ooh, chiming. Anyway, that's where I get all the information for these episodes, and I am watching them on the Three Stooges account. All one word, all lowercase. On YouTube, they are in 1080p, and they look better than they did when they were first released, I'm sure. They look there crisp and awesome. I've read almost every book on the boys, and I use my own brain to formulate opinions on the shorts while also regurgitating the opinions of others. But I am not an expert on the Three Stooges. I am just a knowledgeable fan. I make mistakes. I will leave things out. But it's fine. Everything will be okay. I will probably repeat myself 190 times before it's over. With that said... Let's get on with the show. From Nurse to Worse has a runtime of right around just under 17 minutes, 16.50, something like that. It was shot over four days from May 15th, 1940 through May the 18th, 1940. Then it was released on August 23rd, 1940. So three months wait time on this one. But let's see what else was going on on August 23rd, 1940. Brought to you by OnThisDay.com and TakeMeBack.to. Winston Churchill is the Prime Minister now in England, and Jerry begins bombing at night in London. Uh, we won't get too newsy here. It's mostly entertainment news, but I did find that interesting that the Germans started their London night bombing. As the war impacts entertainment and that kind of stuff, or if there's like a major thing that's you know has to do with the war, I'll include that. But for, for the most part, you know. So, Night Train to Munich is a movie. It's with Rex Harrison. It's a suspense picture about Nazis and looming war. Go figure. Shirley Temple charmed audiences in Young People, where they move to New England and have troubles being accepted by the locals. I liked it better when it was Funny Farm, 50 years later, with Chevy Chase. Cheddar Cheese. Boomtown is an Oscar-nominated picture with Spencer Tracy and Clark Gable, who strike it rich and in love. Not with each other, though. Don't misunderstand. In 1940, the Chicago Bears beat the Washington Redskins for the NFL championship. This is pre-Super Bowl. So the Bears beat the Redskins 73 to nothing in the championship game, in a record that still stands to this day. The 1940 Olympics in Helsinki 
are cancelled due to World War II, as is the footy in England, the football. The Reds beat the Tigers in the World Series in seven games, and on August 24th, the day after the release of this short, Ted Williams, who played left field, pitches the last two innings. Pitches. Comes out of left field and pitches the last two innings. In a 12-1 defeat by the Tigers, he allows three hits and one run. (laughs) And finally, on the 29th of August, the NFL All-Star Game is played. It is the Green Bay Packers versus the All-Star Team. What? Okay, that's weird. Green Bay wins. 45-28, to they beat the All-Star team in front of 84,567 people. Unbelievable. But on to the short. From Nurse to Worse is produced and directed by Jules White. Charles Kimball gets story credit, while Clyde Brookman gets screenplay creds. Charles Kimball worked for RKO, mostly uh, from 1932 on. He only did a few shorts. This is one. Um, after 1934, he works mostly in Mexico, and uh, he gets he, you know, 94 editor credits, and this is his one writing credit in Hollywood. But he was a director and a writer in uh, Mexico and did a ton of movies. So Curly, Larry, and Moe are your stooges, and nobody gets any featuring credit. But we have Linton Brent as Jerry, the boy's friend. We've covered him before. Vernon Dent is Dr. Delirious. <laughs> Obviously, Vernon Dent has been covered many times. He was Shemp's best friend. He was in 96 Stooge films, the most of anyone. Dudley Dickerson is here as the orderly. He's been in a uh, few recent shorts that we've covered, and he is funny. He, is, he was called a master of the scared, the quote-unquote scared reaction. <laughs> And he has 135 acting credits. Dorothy Appleby is the receptionist in this picture. She was in over 50 films up through 1943. She never really progressed to a leading lady because of her height. She was just over 5 feet tall, and she was usually cast with um, comparable-sized men, who typically were not leading men. I think I read that she was with uh, she was paired with Charlie Chase, and he was, uh, you know, six feet or just over six feet. So he was like a foot and a half taller than her or a foot taller than her at least. So it was odd. They said that it was difficult to shoot because of her height. Evelyn Young is the woman in the waiting room. She was in nine movies in 1940. We talked about her meteoric rise and fall in the last episode, I believe. We've got Ned Glass and Charles Doherty. Are the as the dog catchers. Both of these fellows have been covered multiple times. They're the uh, little, little nebbishy guy is Ned Glass, and Charles Doherty is the cross-eyed comedian, if we want to boil them down to their base parts. <laughs> Cy Shindell is the policeman. He was in 37 shorts and with the boys, and he was a skilled stuntman. He plays the guard in this one that chases them all around, and he, he does do several stunts, falls, Pratt falls, and that kind of thing. He was in A Wonderful Life as the bouncer at Nick's. Then we have John Tyrell as the assistant surgeon. He was in 28 stewed shorts, all with curly. We've got Blanche Payson, or Payson. She's the admitting nurse. 
We talked about her before, and we remember that she was billed as the first policewoman in the country, but actually she was not. She was a special policewoman at the 1915 San Francisco Expo to discourage mashers from bothering women. You masher! And then again at a Los Angeles carnival. From there, Max Sennett saw her and hired her to protect his bathing beauties. And then from there, she started working in pictures with him. She's always like the hatchet-faced mean woman. Uh, she was Oliver Hardy's wife in Helpmates, 1932. That was one of her big credits. Marjorie Kane is a nurse as well in this picture. She has 80 credits and was also in How High Is Up, which is the previous dude short. Al Thompson is an orderly. We remember that he was Andy Clyde's stunt double, and he was known as an excellent stuntman. He did 59 various stooge or solo stooge efforts. He worked with the boys in basically all the configurations um, of, of stooges. Johnny Kassir is the battered orderly. He was Moe's stunt double, and he was in 97 stooge or solo efforts. We've got Poppy Wild. She's also a nurse, and she worked with Ted Healy and Curly in 1934. So Ted Healy and Curly did work together. So that's interesting. Then they did. Then she did two more Ted Healy solo efforts and uh, three Stooge efforts. One Shemp solo. We've got Joe Palma rounding things out here as the male nurse. He is best known as the fake Shemp. He was a stand-in for Shemp in four shorts after Shemp dies. He worked as a mortician at his parents' funeral home in New York City before going to Hollywood. And in the 1950s and 60s, he worked as Jack Lemmon's personal assistant. He had 147 minor acting credits. And so that rounds out the cast. And we open on Jerry. The Stooges' friend, he walks in and he sees that it's the boys who are working in his house as paper hangers. And he says, oh, I'm glad it's you. They're impressed by his home. Larry says, oh, you must have opened a bank. And Curly says, yeah, at night. <laughs> he explains, no, I'm, in sell I'm selling insurance. If you want to quit your jobs, you should do it too. All you have to do, basically, is put $25 down and pay $50 a month. And then you go to the insurance doctor and act crazy, and insurance will pay you $500 a month to live. <laughs> so that's how insurance works. I didn't know that. That's I've been doing it all wrong. Jerry just started, and he's already, you know, deep into insurance fraud. <laughs> so they need $50. And uh, Mo tells Curly to give him his dollar. I guess they, need, they just need $25 down. Curly has a dollar, and Mo tells him to give it to him. No. Mo snatches Curly's coat off. Curly says, it's my favorite dollar. I raised it from a cent. That's a great line. So Curly finally agrees and he takes his vest off. He's got another vest on it underneath. So he takes all the vest after vest off, you know, and Mo's getting frustrated. Curly's like, la -da -la -da -da, as he's taking off his vest. Finally takes the last one off and he's got a purse with a lock hanging around his neck. He says, the key's in the purse. <laughs> Mo drags him over to the workbench, and Curly says, You're a pickpocket. That's what you are. That's pretty good. Mo finally pries the lock off, and moss fly out of, his, out of the purse. He sticks his hand in, and snap, it's a mousetrap. 
Curly f- reaches in and takes out this old hold up moth eaten dollar bill. He looks at La- Mo looks at Larry and says, "You're next. Shoot the shoot the money to me, honey." <laughs> and Larry says, "I don't want to play." It's funny. I don't want to play. Mo grabs his head, and you can see something fly off to the left. That's a little goof. Usually I don't I don't mention them too much, but that one was obvious. It just flies out. Turns out that's the money hiding in his hair. Or, that, you know, that he was hiding in his hair. So he gives it to Mo, and uh, Jerry comes back in with the application. He asks who's there, who they're going to insure, and they both point at Curly. He refuses until Mo takes the scissors to his nose, and then he surrenders. You know, that's I would surrender then, too. So then we're at the doctor's office here, Dr. D. Lirius. So they needed their $25 down. I guess I guess Larry had $24 tucked away in his hair. <laughs> so we're at Dr. D. Period Lirius, Dr. Lirius. Uh, Mo and Larry walk in, and they are pulling Curly along by a leash. He's on all fours. Mo says, we'll be in the money soon as they walk in. They see the secretary, Dorothy Appleby, I guess, and the boys say hi, and Curly barks at her. And they say, he's batty, and the doc wants to look him over to prove he's bats. Um, Curly scares her off with his barking, and she runs to go get the doctor. Then we look over, and there's a lady in the waiting room. It's Evelyn Young, and Curly goes over to her, and he's, he's hopping up and down. He's like a dog wanting to play. He sits up on, you know, on his hind legs and begs and whatnot. Then he looks at her, he says, how about a date, toots? And she smacks him with her handbag, and he says, oh, hit a dumb animal, eh? Then he barks at her, but then he kind of looks her up and down and gives her kind of a lecherous look as she stands up. Then he takes her hand, and they kind of dance around the room, and finally uh, she runs She runs off. In comes Dr. Vernon Dent. He says, which one's the crazy one? And uh, they point at Curly. He scratches his own ear. He's laying on the ground, his leg kicking his leg because his ear, you know. Uh, Mo says he was bitten by a dog, and now he thinks he is one. Vernon says, well, what happened to the dog that bit him? And Mo says it died. <laughs> Vernon gives, like, this little surprise, like, ooh. the fun little reaction. <laughs> it bit Curly and died. So they go into the exam room. Curly puts his hands on the on the table and just vaults up. He was on all fours. That's pretty spry for a big dude, you know? Um, they always say Curly's so fat, but... He takes the vests off in that scene, and he's not really that big of a guy. I mean, he's a little overweight, but he's not like people are today, you know? Anyway, it was a little nothing, but I thought it was impressive that he gets up so easily onto the table. Vernon says, ah, the heart, and goes to listen. And Curly says, two spades. And Larry says, I double. And most says, I double again, and smacks them both. Curly's, uh, you know, biting the stethoscope. He stretches it out. It smacks Dent. Mo says, isn't he a playful pup? Vernon starts shaking Curly's head, and we hear a rattling sound. Evelyn Young even looks up like, huh? And hears it. He says, there's something loose inside. And Mo says, you're wrong there, doctor. His head is empty. <laughs> he puts the stethoscope to Curly's temple, and we hear running water. And the doctor says, he has water on the brain. He may go from mad to worse. I'll have to operate on his brain. Larry says, you can't do that. You'd have to cut through his bone. And raps on his head. And everyone looks at the door and says, come in. <laughs> the scene is pretty quick with there's like little sides and riffs and stuff. And, you know, everybody's doing so. It happened. It's pretty good. Curly blows into the stethoscope and Vernon says, ah, but he says, this is very serious. He could go totally insane any minute. Mo says, well, he, man, he's worse than that now, Doc. <laughs> Curly jumps down and scares Vernon. He bites the table leg off a table. 
And uh, Mo asks about the money, and Vernon says, this man is dangerous. I have to operate right away. Curly stands up and says, operate on me? And Vernon points at his head just above his eyes, like middle of his forehead, and he says, yeah, I'll just take your, you won't feel a thing. I'll just take your head off right here. And Curly runs away, and the boys follow. Vernon says, call the police. He believes that Curly is mad and dangerous. The boys knock this guy down, uh, orderly. Uh, or not an orderly. The boys knock this guy down as they're running out. He's a photographer. And uh, Vernon falls over him. The guy gets mad and uh, tries to punch Vernon, but he ends up hitting a passing cop instead. Vernon tells the cop about the mad dog man, and uh, they start to chase the boys. Mo tells Curly, if you had been a Pekingese instead of a wolfhound, our plan would have worked. Then they run again, and they hide in. They see an open truck, so they jump in it. And uh, the doors, they close the doors, and it turns out to be the dog catcher's van. It's pretty convenient. Then two dogs, uh, the dog catchers come up and throw two dogs in, take off down the road, and Vernon has the cop call the station to warn everyone of that there's a dangerous lunatic on the loose. So now we cut back to the van. There are two dogs in there, like I said, with, with the boys, and they're barking at Curly, and Curly's barking back. The dog catcher knocks on the thing to tell him to quiet down back there, you know, and the boys give that doot, 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 doot. Doot, doot, the shaving haircut knock, and uh, the, the drivers are confused, the dog catchers. Then we see the dogs start scratching. They're scratching their fleas, and the boys start to get, you know, start to scratch little by little, and then suddenly they're just scratching. They do that little back, that little bit where they scratch each other's backs, and then they turn to the other side and scratch each other's backs again. Uh, they all get close-up itching scenes, and <laughs> Mo and Curly pick at each other like apes. Uh, the driver turns on the radio, and there's some music playing, and then we get a notice that, in Moe's voice, by the way, saying that, uh, be on the lookout for an escaped lunatic who thinks he is a dog. He bites. And they pull into uh, the city pound, and we see the boys scratching each other's backs now again, but the two dogs are standing up, too, also scratching. So they've joined in the line. <laughs> it made me chuckle when I first saw it. So the dog catchers pull into the uh, garage, and it's a fumigation thing. And there's a sign that says, you know, fumigate all dogs before removing from the truck. It's like, how hazardous was that stuff for the dogs, I wonder? Good Lord. So the boys smash the truck doors open and uh, try to run away. But they, they're they just running circles around the, around the truck. And the dogs are watching them like, you know, back of their heads are going back and forth as they're watching them run by. They see a window finally, and they hope they lift up the bars, and uh, they go back to leap through it, and the bars fall down, and they crash head first, and the dog catchers hear them inside, and uh, the boys burst out, and uh, one of the dog catchers says, "It's the dog man! Oh my goodness, get him!" Then they go with their nets, but they put their nets over each other, and the boys run off. Um, Vernon, who's driving along, sees them. He drives up and they grab the boys and they drag them to the hospital. And the boys are running next to the car. Pretty good little bit. So now we're at Bellevue. Vernon says, prepare him for cerebral decapitation. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> the orderlies and uh, Curly are struggling with the nurse. They're, you know, they're going back and forth, like pulling, pulling on Curly. And Curly's holding on to the nurse. And then we hear rip. And Curly has the nurse's dress in his hands. That's uh, Blanche. Payson. Anyway, she gets her top ripped or her dress ripped off. We don't obviously they don't. She snatches it back out of Curly's hands. <laughs> the orderlies drag him off, and uh, Vernon tells Mo and Larry, "If the operation is a success, you can see him. If not, 
and you can claim the body. And Moe's like, ugh. So Moe and Larry then hatch a plan. They look at the guard who's guarding the hallway, and they hatch a plan. And they said, they walk up to him and they say, we're going to go down and see your friend Charlie. And the guard says, Charlie, who's that? And Larry says, you know Charlie. He walks like this. And he limps past the guard. And then Moe says, yeah, he's got a, he look, picks up his heel, picks up his own foot, Moe does. And uh, he points at his, at his foot. He says, yeah, he's got a bad case of ingrown heel. And he limps down the hall, walking all crazy. They get like, mostly down the hall, and then they're like, and they run. And uh, they run into an orderly carrying a tray of dishes, and they hide. Um, the guard comes running by, and he trips over that guy. And Mo and Larry come out, and they shake hands. No cop's ever going to catch us. And Mo says, you said it. But then there's the guard right there, and they run past the knocked-over orderly again, and the cop crashes into him again. It's funny because they round a corner, and then they just stop running like they got away. Like, oh, we, well, we did that. We're out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> then they stop to look at the newborn babies in the ward through the window, and they're coochie-cooing at them in the window for a minute. And the cop runs, and then he stops, and he looks. And then he gets up, and he starts cooing at the babies, and he's pressing his nose to the window. They all are. Then they, they all kind of step back and look at each other. They, well, those babies were cute, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. And then they realize, oh, it's you. And Mo pokes him in the eyes and they run off again. Larry, uh, Larry and Mo come by in scrubs. And it looks like Larry is pushing Mo on a gurney. But Mo is walking along as well, you know. Uh, he's holding something flat out. It makes it look like a bed. It's a great gag. The cop stands on the sheet and it comes, it comes, pulls off. The sheet pulls off and Moe's holding two crutches and uh, they run off again. They crash into the dishes carrying orderly again. <laughs> then the cop comes running by and boom, he trips over him again. So he's falling. That's so funny. He says, oh, what's the use? But then he stands, the cop does and he stands up, but then he still chases him. The orderly guy's taking a heck of a beating and uh, he falls great. He takes a great bump, as they say. So Mo and Larry run into a supply closet, and they're hatching some sort of plan that involves mops. So we cut to Curly in the OR. Everyone is busy. You know, they kind of doing their own thing. Curly's laying there. He realizes it's his chance, so he jumps up and he runs out the door. He runs around the hallway and runs into another door. And he, it's the side door into the same operating room he was just in, and they all just kind of look at him. And he shrugs and he goes, oh, okay. And then he lays down on the table like, all right, you win. That's a great little reaction as he comes back in. Mo and Larry walk in. They're dressed as uh, doctors, but uh, the mops, you know, are their long hair, their long blonde hair. Curly sees that, you know, he, rec he recognizes them and he starts to make a ruckus. Everyone crowds around Curly and we can't see. And then uh, they say, oh, he's gone under with the, 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 the anesthetic has worked. They back away, and it's Dr. Lirius on the table under the anesthetic. One guy says, get the smelling salts. And Mo says in a, in a, high, in a woman's voice, yes, doctor. Because I guess they're dressed as nurses, of course. There were no women doctors in 1940. I suppose they were supposed to be long-haired, like Swedish doctors or something. That never even occurred to me that they were nurses. Duh. So the cop recognizes Mo. And uh, and then looks over and there's Larry and he, he runs away and the cop is left holding both of their coats. You know, they pull their arms out and run off. And then Curly leaps off the table and the three of them run out the door and they slam the door in the cop's face. And uh, they're trying to wake up. You know, meanwhile, all this is happening and the doctors are all trying to wake up Dr. Lirius, Vernon Dent, who's on the floor. 
And uh, one of the doctors keeps saying, is there a doctor in the house? Is there a doctor in the house? And then he's, oh, I'm a doctor. And so goes to waking him up. So the boys run into a room and all three of them lay on a gurney and cover up with a sheet. In comes uh, Dudley Dickerson and another orderly. And the guy says to Dudley, take these bodies down to the crematory. From under the sheet, Curly says, crematory? And Dudley stands up and looks. He gives the gurney his patented scared look. <laughs> the boys stand up off the gurney and Dudley screams and jumps out the window. That's great. And then they run away again. The uh, the dishes carrying guy, I believe it's Johnny Cashier. He, uh, he sees them coming this time and he just throws his tray on the ground. <laughs> but the boys run into a different room and they don't knock him over, of course. He starts to, uh, he leans over to pick up the dishes and the boys can run by again, not knocking him down. And then the cop comes and bumbles into him and crashes into him again. Uh, the boys all jump on a gurney. We hear Mo say, come on, boys. And they go right out the front door and into the street. And Curly lifts up a pole with a sheet on it like a sail and they go flying down the road on the gurney. They crash into another cop and knock him down. And then they come up behind uh, Jerry on his bicycle riding down the street and they crash into him and they knock him into the wet cement. The boys don't realize it's Jerry. So they're like, oh my gosh. And they, they help him out of the, out of the cement. And Mo says, we'll get you cleaned up just, oh, in just a minute. Don't, don't even worry about it. And then Curly recognizes him as their little insurance pal, Jerry. And they start to rough him up and they dump him back in the wet cement. And Curly jumps on him and is slapping him. The end. <laughs> So this was Joe Palma, the fake uh, Shemp's first short with the boys. Mentioned him in the beginning, but then not the, the fact that it was his, this was his first work with them. Uh, the footage of the boys sailing through the streets was taken from Dizzy Doctors. We've had bits that would be, re, that would be reused in future shorts, but I think this is the first instance of footage being reused from a previous short in that we're watching the reused footage. So I'm not sure, but actually I was right. I looked it up just now, and this is the first short to reuse footage from a previous. Interesting. So the song that plays on the radio uh, right before Moe's voice comes on was written by Jules White, and it's called I'm a Cowboy from the Western Plains. It was also heard in Nutty But Nice. That's the one Curly is yodeling to it. Uh, so Jules White evidently was quite the talented guy, I guess, you know, producer, director, songwriter. So that's pretty cool. This one, this episode, this short rather, gets a 9.12 on threestooges.net. But I'm going to give it a 9.5. I like this one. I thought this was a fast-paced, frantic short with gags flying and fast Lots of different things happening in the, you know, everybody was doing something. I, it was, it was, um, the way I watch them and take notes is I watch a little bit and I take notes, stop it. Then I watch it again and take notes. And that was disrupting the flow of this episode because it's, um, it seemed like it was a little faster paced to me and I quite enjoyed that. So the scene with Vernon checking Curly is great. There's a lot of stuff going on. I also like the Charlie who walks like this bit that they pull on the guard. I like. I think that's a funny bit. I'm going to try that in real life on somebody. So there's not a whole lot beyond that of, uh, you know, behind the scenes stuff that I've readily found online. So that's going to do it for this one. Uh, you can join me for the next short, which is No Census, No Feeling. 
and there is a ton of um not maybe not behind the scenes but um you know ancillary or tertiary or secondary stuff you know information for that one just i was looking it up today and it seemed like that was going to be a fun one plus that short is great so no census no feeling click subscribe so you don't miss out please rate and review the show and drop me a line if you have any comments or questions or suggestions or book offers or bags of money that you just can't keep any longer thanks for listening i have been your chief knucklehead gabriel russo Broadcasting from Stude's studio at the back of the house. See you next time. Bye.